and welcome to Minute 93 of Season 3 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today once again is Jim O'Kane, a producer of so many different Movies by Minute uh, programs and a great podcaster and someone that we all aspire to be like when we're doing Movies by Minute uh, podcasts, especially with the number, with the kind of guests that he gets on his shows. So welcome to the show, Jim. Oh, th- well, thank you very much for that introduction. I don't <laughs> deserve it, but I get it's uh, it this is this gets to be habit forming, doesn't it, Rob? I mean, when you you start making one, it's like I I and you keep thinking of new movies that you want to do, and so there's too uh, many of them. That's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's not not enough hours in a day, but yeah, uh, we still manage to squeeze them in and get get some uh, get some episodes recorded yes, so that people can for listen. Sure. For sure. And, uh, so I, minute minute ninety three begins with Hans. Looking at John uh, devilishly, and ends with Hans uh, concealing some evidence. So, <laughs> yesterday we we ended things with uh, you know John and and Hans uh, having a little bit of a conversation. Hans tries to 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 lure John into uh, a trap. John doesn't fall for it, uh, whether on purpose or not. You know, doesn't doesn't happen. And today's episode we we get. Uh, like just a few seconds, I think it's like even one and a half seconds of the face of Hans as he's looking on, you know, in a very, he's got a very strange, uh, mischievous look on his face as, as yeah. we get to see that. And then the, the, the scene just changes. And now we get to see we're we're back with, with the, at the police, uh, uh, barricade, you know, we, yeah, we get it, to see little Johnson. It it has a very much a, a feeling of watching some kind of sports. I mean, it, it it's like you're watching the game is in progress between uh, McLean and and Hans, and uh you know then the, you go back to the commentators which are up in the yeah. up in the booth away from it all, and <laughs> they're uh you know Big Johnson and Little Johnson are 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 talking with uh with Dwayne T. Robinson about uh, how things going so far, and um, Robinson gives them the rundown of it, telling them you know there's there's hostages and they're probably you know what yeah. floor they're on and. Um, right. So, so, I mean, one of the things, I mean, Robinson starts off and he says, well, the best we can figure, and, and again, what do you mean the best we can figure? This is all information you got from John. It's, yeah. <laughs> because we've got maybe 30, 35 hostages up there, possibly, probably on the 30th floor. Again, that's a fact that John has told them. He's, it's as if Robinson is not, uh, doesn't believe John as the, as a source. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, he's very he's very uh, dubious of any information that he's given there, but he's he's always willing to take credit for uh, for the intelligence um, yes. that you know that he's that he's referring for the FBI. He's talking about know, there's seven terrorists, there's thirty five people, yeah. and they're all trapped probably on the thirtieth floor. And he um, goes, maybe I don't know, seven or eight terrorists up there. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. and then uh, you know, Big Johnson once again, Robert Davi in a very firm uh, voice looks over and goes. Sounds like an A7 scenario. So I, yeah. I looked it up. There, I couldn't find any real A7 scenario. You know, <laughs> it's just it sounds, a, it, a, a, it sounds very official. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like, and it sounds like there's a playbook. Somewhere there's a playbook and it's like, yeah, he's going to run, you know, right, right field. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it sounds like they know if it's this, then they're going to do this, and this is how they're going to handle it. And the funny thing is, is that this is exactly what Hans was expecting. He said yes. they're going to do this, they're going to turn off the power, they're going to do this and that. And he knows 
the FBI's playbook. So they're already playing into his hands just by, you know, throwing out these uh, technical sounding numbers. Um, and he was just waiting. Hans has been waiting for the FBI to arrive. So everything's going Hans's way, except for the problem of uh, the man that's in front of him. Yes. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and we are like, the FBI is very sure of themselves. They tell them that they're, they're going to hand them. They're the, very they're pompous. Gonna all handle it. You yeah. know, the way that, the way that, the way the little Johnson responds, he goes, thank you. We'll handle it from here. When we commandeer your men, we'll try and we'll try and let you know. So he's yeah. saying, when we take your men and tell them what to do, maybe we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, just straight out cannon fodder, but uh, they'll, you know, they'll, 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 they'll keep them updated. You know, they'll yeah. send them occasional reports after actions and stuff. Yeah, but it's a it's a good thing that that and and it's it's very funny because Big Johnson, you know, like sniffles as he's like looking around, and uh, he he actually looks really bored. You know, ah, oh, this yeah. is an A seven scenario. We 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 know how to deal with this. You know, and he he pulls out like a pack of of cigarettes from from his jacket pocket as as we get uh, our good friend Al to intercede here, and he goes, "Aren't you forgetting something?" And Big Johnson looks at him and goes, such as? He says, what about John McLean? He's the reason why we have the information we have up until now. So Al is 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 fighting for John. You know, he's yeah. he's a great advocate here to say that, that, you know, John, there's a reason why John is there. He's helping us, you know, and we need to help him in the same way. You know, and yeah. then he goes, he's also the reason why you're facing seven terrorists instead of 12. So first of all, I, I love the fact that throughout this entire movie, have, have you ever counted the number of terrorists that there are? It, it varies. If, if I remember correctly, there's not, it, it doesn't, no, it doesn't say, how can it vary? No, I'm saying how many uh, actual terrorists oh, are there? I, are there 12? No. I, I don't have that count. I don't there know. are 13. Including Hans, I guess. Including Hans. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think anyone is is saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna count them, but we're not counting the the lead guy because he's a thief. No. <laughs> yeah, there, I I thought if if I remember when we were going through Die Hard, there's somebody that dies and we don't know where they actually died in the film. I no, there's someone who, no? who survives. You have oh, okay. you have Christoph. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. At the end, yes. You have Christoph yeah, who still... who gets who gets uh, you know belted in the face, and that's it. Yeah, and then yeah. you know, and then the bear bonds go flying all over the floor. Right. That's but, what. Yeah, that's what yeah. it was. So yeah. he's the thirteenth guy. So I mean, I remember back in the eighties, I had a poster on my wall of this movie, and the you know on the poster it says twelve terrorists take over Nakatomi Plaza, and I'm thinking to myself, ah. and I I knew mm. the movie well enough at the time, yeah. and I'm like, even on the poster they're getting it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's thirteen, not twelve. Don't you know how to count? <laughs> wow, they meant they meant twelve henchmen. That's what. Yes, twelve henchmen. Um, twelve henchmen. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and... <laughs> no, but but again, they're they're not. No one has even. Uh, there's no way of even proving that there was twelve. I mean, John hasn't seen all twelve of them, or thirteen yeah. of them. No, he hasn't, know, yeah, so... he hasn't been in the big room. He hasn't seen. You know, right, he hasn't like seen he... the the, uh, the the guys at the you know the the guys in the computer room working on that. They're they're out of the picture for him. He doesn't. Correct. Yeah. So, so like the question is, where do they get the number 12? So they just say, Oh, well, you know, they can't do this with nine guys. They had to have 12, you know? Yeah. I mean, it must've been a dozen or at least the Baker's dozen. 
Yeah. Or um, what uh, screen? Uh, I talked with a screenwriter, Danny Bilson, and he said, uh, much of this, if you're not if you're not sure of things, he says it's known as plausible off-screen action. So if you if you have uh, something going on that you're not quite sure about, you can just say it's a it's a it's a POA, plausible off-screen action. Like maybe maybe McLean stopped, you know, somehow got to the computer room and had written more names on his arm. Um, and, uh, we just, we just didn't see that at the time because other, other things were going on or, you know, we were down on the ground here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, wait, so that, does that mean, does that mean that John just doesn't know how to count? <laughs> it, could be, it could be, it's, uh, it's just, uh, hope, hopefully he, you know, he, he's been, and how many, I'm not sure if we ever had the uh, the full uh, conversation where he had with Al to tell him how many people were there. Yeah, I mean, we had it. We had we did. We did. We did. okay. Yeah, that, I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm as I'm as I'm doing the reread on the, as I'm doing the review on this. I've I've watched this week's, but trying to remember where things were in the picture yeah. gets a little. Yeah, yeah. They they do mention that already. Yeah. Um. So uh, Al Al is of course uh. Uh, John McClane's uh, brother in arms. Yes. And so he's always, you know, looking out for a fellow cop and, uh, you know, pointing out John McClane. And it's kind of um, revealing that, uh, you know, Robinson said he might be a cop. I don't know. And, and the Johnson say, you know, is it one of yours and Robinson immediately denies him. Says, no, no way. No way. And it's like, well, you've got Al here who would probably be doing the same thing if he were up, right. uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe not as, maybe not as athletically as, uh, as John McClane was doing, but, uh, he would be in the same, uh, putting himself in the line of fire kind of, uh, uh kind of, kind of an, a reaction to stuff. Yeah. So, uh, the fact that, that, uh, Dwayne T. Robinson doesn't understand what it means to be a cop and be a, you know, someone to protect and serve. He's just a bureaucrat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, He's a, a, a you know, and what, what, what's great, I don't know if you noticed this. I, I only noticed this this time. I've never I've seen this movie dozens, if not hundreds of times. Right. But the uh, when Al is is advocating for John. So we get a shot of Robinson and he makes a motion with his hands next to his mouth as if to say to Powell, zip it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I've never noticed that before, before you know, seeing it here. And then, you know, we, we have the, the conversation with, you know, with, with the, the Johnsons. And that's when little Johnson says, he's inside. Who is he? And then Robinson goes, well, he might be a cop. He might be a cop. Again, you know, he's, he's, he, he doesn't have a second source. You know, he's yeah. got, he's got the, <laughs> just the fact that Ellis has said he's a cop. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah. I don't know. We're checking on it. And then, uh, Big Johnson says, one of yours? No, no way. Now, first of all, I, I love how the, the Johnsons are they're a great tag team. Yeah. You know, they they and, they, they let these conversations go and, and each time a different one of them is responding. Yeah, it's 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 just uh and it, it seems like uh just to pass the time. They're not they're not really care about the information that they're being fed or, or like the the little things that they don't know. It's amazing what they don't know. They don't know who McLean is. That right. you know, the FBI would be able to figure this out in a moment as to whether he was a cop. Of course, you know the other thing that we have to think about the they didn't have the internet. Yeah, and <laughs> and and it's Christmas Eve. You know, you've got the you've got the skeleton crew on. The people who couldn't get off for Christmas Eve are working the boards, and they probably if you're if you're calling the non-emergency number at the uh, 
you know, the human resources department of uh, the city of New York, nobody's answering because it's, if it's, you know, it's nighttime here, it's like seven o'clock here. It's probably 11 o'clock at night. No, it's not seven York. o'clock here. Here it's, here it's already 11, 12 o'clock at night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, yeah. It's, well, I mean, even, even like at the start of the party, it's, it's, it's going into the next day. It's Christmas in, uh, it's Christmas in New York already. So they can't, the, the people that they'd normally get in touch with, they're all out. They're all on vacation somewhere. So uh, it's very limited in the information that they can get. Um, and I would think that it would even be a problem for the FBI getting a hold of, uh, of this information. And like you said, it's it's before the internet. They yeah. have to send out teletypes. And, and right. I mean, they had the internet, but nobody knew about it. You know, only uh, yeah. only only a, a a fortunate few knew what the internet was back in 1988. And yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, did did you, you know about the internet in 88? I uh, I knew about uh, bulletin boards. That was about it. You know, you'd be dialing into FidoNet and stuff and using. Uh, mail that was phytonet mail that would you'd, you'd send out an email and then maybe four days later it would come back to you with you know people that had attached messages to it but uh, using mm-hmm. that and that kind of stuff um but yeah i mean it's it's like you couldn't you couldn't really make and we uh, we've talked about this on 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 the other die hard minute show that you couldn't make this movie right now because everybody would have a cell phone everybody would be able to inform people about what's going on and um the you know 12 12 or 13 13 terrorists couldn't take over uh the building because there's too much there's too many routes of communication out of the building right um unless you know they, they destroyed every cell tower in the neighborhood it, it is <laughs> it's uh i'm sure they would have i mean the way you'd rewrite it is there'd be some kind of a jamming box that would jam all the cell phones right exactly but you know this is one of those movies and actually i'm an advocate of most movies that you don't need to remake them if they're done right yeah. the first time, well, then, you know, yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's not yeah, much okay. you can try and change. Wow. So, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've still heard, I've heard, I heard when, when I was doing plane and automobiles. So, so, uh, you know, there, there were rumors that, that Will Smith and, uh, and I think, uh, Martin Lawrence were making a plane change automobiles, uh, remake. And that is another idea that I said to myself, how could you do that today? Because again, if you had yeah. a cell phone, that that solves yeah. all of your problems. Everything, yeah, yeah. Oh, every 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 miscommunication. I mean, if you rely on miscommunication as a, as a thing, yeah. This is, um, yeah. It. I mean, I guess everything that is done like that now would be a period piece. Yes. Uh, in the future, you know, it's, uh, in the past. Uh, different. <laughs> yeah, different world. Yeah. I mean, that's like even. Um, Gosh, when they made Hunt for Red October, the, the Soviet Union had disappeared, and they still had this great property that they had to do. So they had to, you know, they had to come, they had to preface the movie with, "By the way, this is before, you know, before the fall of the Soviet Union." Yeah, I actually just saw it last week. I watched it again last week. I, lo- I love that movie. It's a great movie. Uh, it's a great film. Yeah, that's and nobody's done a minute of that yet. So yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it 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 would be There's very worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, that, that that movie has is, too many. Uh, quiet moments. Let's put it that way. There's yeah, yeah. There's there's little islands of uh, of action followed by a lot of nothing. Right. It has to <laughs> a be, lot of. If anyone does it, it has to be someone who really knows a lot about sonar, and uh, you know, yeah, my, and, my and the the Bering Sea. You know the the different yeah, routes yeah, yeah. along the yeah, Bering being sea. able being able to talk about that. You know, get get a couple of submariners Thor's, on there. Thor's Maybe, twins. You know, that definitely a five minutes at a at a time. I don't think you could do it a minute at a time, but I think you could do it in five minute chunks. Right. Okay. Um, sure. But someday we'll see. 
<laughs> Add that to your list, Jim. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just try and get Alec Baldwin on the, on the show. Oh, he, um, he's probably looking for work these days, so maybe. Yeah, yeah, he might have some free time. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so we go we go back from uh from them talking about how the LAPD are not NYPD police for some reason, but we go we wind up back with uh on the thirty fifth floor and McLean is uh is offering Gruber a cigarette. Yeah. Which is another thing that you don't do in uh, modern movies. Cigarettes are kind of uh, taboo, verboten. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how many? How many? Okay, he he shows in the pack, and there are two cigarettes in there. How how many? Do you do you know how many cigarettes are in a pack? Are there twenty? Yes, I think? there are twenty. Yeah. So it means that yeah. that between John and and um uh oh, what was his name? Was well, and Tony. 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 The Tony there yeah. you go. Yeah, I, I blanked on that for a second. So between John and Tony, they've they've smoked eighteen cigarettes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a hectic day. Yeah, you got to relax. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, and uh, so he 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 takes the the two the two cigarettes that are left. First, he he looks into the pack and sees them, and then he offers them to, uh, you know, he 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 looks at them, picks it up, and. Uh, you know, you see that that Hans is leaning up against a uh, you know floor directory behind him. That yeah. uh, you know, we'll we'll talk more about that tomorrow. I got I got a lot to say about that one tomorrow because we get we get clearer shots of that one. And yeah. you know, then John takes one of the cigarettes and pulls it out with his lips. You know, and then hands mm-hmm. the the then hands the packet over to to Hans in order for him to to get the last uh, cigarette and. At this point, he says to him, uh, do you smoke? And he goes, yeah. And then he, he takes the cigarette and says, uh, you know, thanks. And yeah. and then Hans does a very strange thing. He takes the empty pack and puts it in his pocket. Yeah. Which is very strange. Like, why? So, like, at the beginning of the minute, when I said that well, the minute ends with Hans concealing evidence, uh, could it be that that's what he's doing here? You know the idea that John was talking about the fact that that uh, you know that their cigarettes uh, uh, show that they're European. European, yeah, yeah. So maybe he's just taking that, or or it could just be, you know, that that's his reaction. You know, just the it, force of habit. Yeah, it's he's a for, not force of habit at all. Instead of just throwing the pack on the floor, you know, just you put it in your jacket pocket and that's it. Yeah, or I'm just thinking that putting in his jacket pocket to find out whether his. Uh, his walkie-talkie, which he might need later, is still uh, available and not, you know, is in the same is in the pocket where he's putting the uh, the thing just to be just to be ready in the future if he needed a call for help. Oh, that that's interesting. Um, I, I never thought about that. That's a good point. It's uh, although you know if if he had thought of thought about that, that he could have used that same pocket to have put the pistol in instead of leaving it on a shelf. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I don't know. It's equal parts brilliant and kind of dumb. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's an intriguing one. And uh, I was trying to find any cigarette. I was, I was looking for European cigarettes with a sky blue um, pack, and I've never been able to find one. Um, oh wow! It, it's uh, it's something that I thought would be, you know, maybe they were trying to make it look like something else. Um, the uh, uh, it, the the closest I could think of is uh, Hitani, which uh, which is a uh, a French cigarette. Uh, uh, there's a there's one called uh, Galloway's 
uh, caporal, which is the sky blue. So I'm assuming that those might be uh, there. Uh, I'm, I'm probably saying that wrong. Galoises. It's like uh, Hitani means gypsy, but I don't know what Halwaises means. But they're uh, those the cigarettes that they have there. It's part of, from what I'm understanding. It's been part of French identity since they were first introduced in 1910. Like it's a classic French. Um, uh, cigarette that it was a uh, uh, the the Hitani was kind of a woman's cigarette while the uh, Galoises was a kind of like the Marlboro it was like a cowboy um, uh, thing it, uh, the uh, Galoises is like a, a French Viking and there's a uh, the image on the front of it is a is a Viking helmet so the uh, that's the only sky blue one I could I could figure and I don't know. I don't know if that was still popular. They, they were out in uh, they were out in 1910, but it may be that it continued into the 80s. Um, I know the the weird thing with with Hitani cigarettes is when you smoke them, the smoke isn't gray; it's kind of black. It looks like, like oh, wow. exhaust fumes. It's very very uh, rough. I don't I don't smoke. I didn't smoke, but uh, from what I understand, it's a pretty rough rough go if you're smoking them. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't uh, tell you that one. It's interesting to see. Where, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know enough about French cigarettes. I uh I worked I worked at Airbus for a while, but all the all the Airbus people smoked American cigarettes. Um, I uh, uh it, it it it's it's a certain look. I mean, it's the kind of thing that you'd see uh Jean-Paul Belmondo, you know, chuffing away in a 1960 um uh film. So it's uh. Yeah, but like you said, it could be that he's trying to hide the uh, the European thing. But uh, McLean has already seen the pack, so I don't know if he's decided how much it, how much it's working. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's uh, oh, an interesting minute. Very, uh, very intriguing. Where I mean, it's it's placed right now. It's placed as being showing the weakness of uh, FBI being kind of dismissive of all other information saying that you know they know they know what they're doing they've done it all before and it's you know showing that Hans really knew but what it also shows is that, that they plan. don't really care you know this is for them this yeah. is something uh, this is run of the mill for them yeah yeah and how many ever how many ever hostages there are on the 30th floor so you know there could be collateral damage but uh, who right well know, they'll talk about that, that later they just don't care you know all right yeah we'll, we'll have a little bit of uh, you know, eh, so it'll be a little bit of collateral. I can I can live with that. That's what he said. Yeah. You know, was it twenty twenty five percent or something like that that they say and say yeah I can I can live yeah. with that. Yeah. Oh, you'd, you'd think that oh. they, that that they would be a little bit more uh, caring about the 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 fact that you know they, they should be trying to help the hostages maybe. Yeah. 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 Like the the only. The only goal here is to uh, neutralize the terrorist, whatever it takes. It doesn't matter if the building gets blown up or people die. It's just let's, uh, you know, let's wipe out terrorism and uh, it's, you know, bring in the bring in the heavy equipment, bring in the well, we're, we'll get into that later. But the you know the, the helicopters and the tanks are, are on their way, yeah. And it's just not, uh, yeah, it it's not going to be um, a, a a life-saving operation uh no <laughs> definitely not because they just don't care about it no no 
know, that, that, great, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, yeah. It's it and it 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 shows that quite nicely without having you know. There's a nice sub subtext there, and uh, in in both you know both on the ground and up in the uh, up in the building. Right. Uh, we, I, we mean, find, I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll probably get into this uh, many weeks from now. But uh, you know, the the question is is how does Hans know what the FBI plan is? You know, again, well, he didn't have the yeah. internet to try and find it out. So at some point, you know, he needs to figure out how to get this classified information as to, you know, what their tactics are and their their scenarios and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. His his network of uh, his network in his own built up intelligent network seems to have just as much information, more than enough information about the FBI than the FBI has about them. Correct. Uh Correct. I mean, which, he, which, the FBI is still thinking that it's a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, he still thinks it's a terrorist organization. It's, it's just, it's just like a team getting ready for a heist. Um, right. Well, no, but, they, uh, yeah, that, but that's partially because of the the facade that you know Hans is supposedly a terrorist. You know, but yeah, but, you know, the, the they had the whole idea where you know where the terrorist group that he worked for, you know, uh, disassociated themselves from him. You know, like uh, hours before the attack, you know, which which as far as I can tell, that's being done in order for him to you know, use that more as a, a plausible reason for. You know, for them knowing that, OK, Hans is the guy who's dealing with this and now he's dead and nobody cares, you know, no, no you can't look for him. Yeah. You know, we're not going to look for yeah. him anymore because he's dead. So that, yeah, that, it's uh, <laughs> it, it and you know it, it's amazing. The the script on this is just amazing. That it really, it's it, you you know all these different stakes, all the different characters, and the idea of putting all putting all this together and being able to follow the pieces minute as as we've been doing minute by minute, um, being able to see how the the pieces start stacking up like so many you know Jenga. Yes. Um. It. It, it's amazing how strong it stays through the whole uh, through the whole course of the film. You're you're always you're always aware of the stakes. You're always aware of what both sides are doing, and uh, you know you know that it's going to come to a rather stunning uh, uh, conclusion. Um, so it's just it's it's a great roller coaster ride. And this is again a minute that just starts. It, you're this minute is like when you're riding the. Uh, the part of the roller coaster that goes clack 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 that's taking you up the uh, up the yeah. side. And they're getting all the pieces in place for the next big scene. Where, where at the same time you, you um, feel your stomach starting to churn because yeah because yeah, you in, don't you anticipation know, that you you know what you're expecting but you don't know what you're expecting at the exact same time. Exactly. Yeah. That that that's right on target. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Great. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? No, no, it's a great one. Go, go ahead and with the, we'll find out the words that, no. that started it all. Right. So the, the, the script, the, the conversation between Robinson and, and uh, the Johnsons pretty much stays the same. Uh, Powell has a few things that he says differently. He goes, uh, you know, he, he says, John McLean, he's the man who gave us all the information as opposed to the, the, the way that they stated here was, is he's the reason why we have the information. Again, you know, it, Probably is just the way that that uh, you know Reginald Van, Van Johnson uh, re remembered it when they were filming. Uh, but then there's a response from Big Johnson 
where after Robinson says that, that no, sir, he's not one of mine. So Big Johnson goes, well, if he's not a terrorist and he's not a hostage, he's just not part of the equation. And then the two of them start walking away. And then Powell says, that's the same goddamn thing the terrorist said. And then Little Johnson turns around and, and is interested and, and goes, really? And then he turns to Big Johnson and goes, that's one good thing. Sounds like we're dealing with pros. And then they walk out of there. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm glad they cut it out. I don't think it really adds anything to it, but it's just funny reading the, those extra lines. And and then when John and, and Hans are back together, there's a little difference there also. It says, uh, McLean and Hans walk together. Hans is still a nervous wreck. Hans, there was a party celebration. All of a sudden they were there shooting, threatening us. McLean looks at this poor civilian on the edge of going to pieces. He puts his hand on his shoulder. Relax, man. You smoke? Hans nods, still frightened. McLean takes out his spoils of war, the Marlboros, which again are not uh, European. <laughs> Two left, he yep. sighs. Takes one, offers the other with an expression like a little boy forced to share a cookie. McLean takes out a lighter, does his, and Hans, Hans nods, grateful, then peers at McLean. So it, it's interesting. The, you know, the, I, I, love the, I love in all scripts the, the descriptive nature of them, you know, the way that they, they're, they're able to really describe everything that's going on, you know, things that you normally don't think about. Yeah. Yeah, and you can hear what the screenwriter had in their mind when they were writing it. Yeah. Versus what the director saw as he was trying to present it. Um, Correct. It, it, and it, watch, watching things going from from page to screen is is always a fascinating process. Yeah. Um, but uh, it and I think you know it, it's pretty true to every you know pretty true to the main storyline. It's just interesting seeing that uh, you know how much of this is probably improv um, or that was thought up on the you know on the set. Yeah, and it's like how about you try it this way, and they you know, might have fi filmed it three different ways, and then well, do it that way, and then uh, do another one. But it all just feels again this these scenes, even though it's it's cartoonish with the uh, with the FBI guys, it still feels more organic than what's coming off the page. Yeah, for sure, that 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 works much better. Yeah. All right, so every Wednesday we have a segment called Hans Hunt Day, where my guest will give their top five. Uh, Alan Rickman films. So what have you got for us? Uh, now I've got to find my... <laughs> I had the piece of paper right here. Um, well, I can't remember them offhand. Of course, Die Hard is one of my top... Uh, okay, Alan but do... do I think this do, is... Uh, you know, I want you to rank them. Do, one, no, this, uh, five through one, so that yeah, I can uh, yeah. you know, count up the points. Ooh, okay. Okay, well, if, in that case, uh, Die Hard is going to fall in at number two. Um, well, go in order. No, I go see, in order. I see, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Start yeah. with five. I'm trying to find my. I'm trying to find my my paper. Five. Uh, five is uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, and I think what happened. I don't like the movie uh, Prince of Thieves because um, I think it's way too Americanized. Um, and I think Alan Rickman's the only British <laughs> British actor. Well, except for the guy at the very end. If you haven't seen mm. it, I won't spoil it. But. Uh, uh, seeing uh, uh, seeing Robin Hood, he was a great villain in that because he was acting as as they say, the villain is the hero in his own uh, in his own story, and I think that he played it as the villain as hero in his own story, um, and he comes across very well on that. 
number number four, I would put as uh, as Dogma, where he plays the, uh, the angel Mitra. He's he's um he's the voice of the creator, and and being the case that if the Almighty ever spoke to you directly, uh, the uh, the sheer magnitude, the magnificence of God would destroy you. So he acts as the uh, as the voice of God, and uh, he plays it with. Uh, it's very uns- it's similar it's simultaneously cynical and hopeful he comes across as very wry very dry wit and uh, i thought that uh that he played he played it just right it's uh it's a diff- it was a difficult part but i thought he he uh he played it, it you know he played it very straight it's a comedy it's a um and, and i thought i thought he played it uh very very straight with that um number number 3 i would put as uh as Die Hard, that that's where Die Hard would fit in for me. I think it's an excellent showcase for him. Uh, it definitely showed his early strengths in the the blockbuster films. This was uh, a great uh, a great showing of how how powerful an actor he was to carry a movie. He between him and the the two main people in this are Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman. And I would say that Alan Rickman is actually the star of Die Hard more than Bruce Willis. Okay. That's um, fair. You you but, do know that this he, is his first he, acting role, right? First on screen. Yeah, acting but, role. Yeah, and this is this is his this is his showcase that he. I mean, he he did he had done television before, I believe. Yeah. But it, you know his big his big movie role. This this made him the star, and the amount of stuff that was put on his shoulders to to carry this movie uh, is amazing. Um, I, I know a lot of number ones people would do for Alan Rickman would be uh, my number two, which is Galaxy Quest. Um, mm-hmm. Galaxy Quest, he comes across as it, as his most cynical, as his most um, sourpuss character that he's just, you know, he's slogging through on it. Um, the great line of uh, after after this uh, major space battle, he wanders off the bridge of the spaceship and Tim Allen asks him, where are you going? And he says, to find a pub. I mean, that's just his <laughs> his ultimate line. It's just a just great in his cynicism and groundedness. Whereas, you know, Tim Allen is the hero of the movie. Uh, the audience sensibility, I think, sits with both Sigourney Weaver and with Alan Rickman. As if you're presented with a crazy situation like this, this is probably how anybody else would would, would react. Um, the number one film, and this is probably something that not not a lot of people, maybe not a lot of a lot of people have seen. Um, but I think it's one of his best films simply because it doesn't involve explosions. It doesn't involve CGI. It doesn't involve him wearing any kind of makeup or costume or <clears throat> he doesn't even have to play a bad guy in this. Um, it's a, an indie film. Uh, I think it was Fox Searchlight, but I'm not sure. It's uh, called Bottle Shock. Okay. And uh, Bottle Shock it. was a yeah. uh, it's 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 such a great um, it's a great little gem of a film. It's very uh, it's it's. It's character-driven. It's about, uh, in 1976, uh, a British expat living in Paris was running a, uh, a winery, a, wi- a wine shop. And through his actions and interactions with uh, people in California, uh, he created a what, they, what was known as the, the, the California Revolution, where uh, the wineries of California, Napa Valley specifically, were brought to France. And in a blind taste test, they beat French wines in blind taste tests and received awards. And that actually changed the entire California wine industry, uh, just based on the actions of this one man in his little wine shop. Um, 
Rickman gives one of the best performances. It's one of his final performances on screen, but it's worth seeing how much he can create the small character and carry it through the whole movie. Um, I think it shows his strength, his maturity as an actor, his ability to get into any type of a script. I mean, he's done comedy, he's done action, he's done science fiction, but this whole idea of being a close, uh, a simple man who's you know, faced with uh, you know, titanic forces against him of the entire French wine industry and the burgeoning California wine industry, uh, I can't recommend it enough. If you get a chance, the movie Bottle Shock is well worth your time. It's well worth you know, whatever, two hours of your time. But that, that's my number one. All right. Great. So you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with Jim O'Kane. I've got all of my all of my uh, podcasts are available at uh, a site that I like to call and it happens to be named jimokane.com. It's uh, J-I-M-O-K-A-N-E.com. You can follow all my podcasts, all my websites, all the video stuff I've done in the past and the audio stuff. You can just basically uh, swim in my podcast history out there but uh, jimokane.com is probably the easiest place to find all of my stuff all right great and uh while you're doing that you can go rate review and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to this show finding me is very simple just do a quick search for movie around minute you can find me on facebook you can find me on twitter and you can go directly to my website movieroundminute.com so until tomorrow yippee ki yay yippee ki yay 